0: The
1: mania that's hit the street with a brand new beat Come with us When you reach upon a star Come and remember the magic
0: 90s disney's listeners i have a very special guest joining me this evening he is a former imagineer and creative executive for disney and now currently a serial innovator as we've uh, settled on i would like to welcome to the show marshall monroe marshall how are you tonight hey i'm doing pretty good aj how are you guys doing out there oh fantastic it's 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 hot and sunny which is how i'd rather have it than some of the uh, weather we've had in the past uh, uh, so, Marshall, I came across your name when I was doing my research into Blizzard Beach and um, found your email, reached out to you, and you very graciously agreed to uh, join us tonight because you were very heavily involved with the the entire conceptualization of that park. So what I wanted to learn for you tonight is first a little bit of how did you get your start with Disney? What, what led you to the company?
1: Yeah, that's, um, it's kind of a funky journey. So I'm actually from New Mexico and I had been to a Disney park when I was really little, but didn't, all I remembered it was that it was incredibly magic. I didn't really have a ton of specific memories other than a really like a lollipop that was bigger than my face. (laughs) And, uh, so anyway, so I, uh, wound up going to school in California and, um, I was at Stanford and studied, um, mechanical engineering and fine art there kind of got interested in both topics. And so it made a little sense to wind up, uh, I knew some people who had been at Disney. And so I wound up going down and starting there right out of college in 1986. And that was, uh, it was just an amazing time because you know a few things had happened right there where Michael Eisner uh, was was basically brought in to revitalize what was going on at the company and I started in special effects which was a topic I was really interested in I had done a lot of construction work and design work in my sort of you know high school years and college years and had done some software programming because I was from New Mexico and we had a great supercomputer at our high school, our junior high and our high school. I was at the same school all through those years. And software turned out to be a key part of what I was going to be doing at Disney. Because when I first got there, they did things with control systems in a pretty amazingly simplified way. And I was basically looking at how could we do things more interesting with computer control systems. And they were using things like drum timers where you just basically spin a piece of, of clear tubing and put tape on it, and it's kind of like a piano scroll, wherever the uh, tape blocks the optical sensors, it would trigger stuff. And you'd be amazed, the the different um, simplistic mechanical systems that were used, like for Tiki Bird Show, uh, how they made all those birds synchronize was was incredibly uh, old school and mechanical, but it worked. But we were able to do a lot more interesting stuff. And uh, the first thing I was looking at was the big, I don't know if anybody remembers, but there was a big status board in Star Tours when you went into the pre-show. And that was a prototype when I first, the first day I walked in and I saw how they were doing. And I said, well, there's a better way to do that. And uh, so it was it was a blast. Uh, special effects was a perfect place for me because I like basically all technologies and I love storytelling and the and the work that we were doing. It just happened to be amazing timing for 15 years after that. Just the number of things that went, you know, fantastic for the economy and for Disney and for the projects we designed. And it was it was awesome. Awesome. So let's see
0: ahead a little bit. Um Disney's looking to build a new water park to supplement the crowds of Typhoon Lagoon and River Country. The story that yeah. I heard is that Eric Jacobson, who had a large snow globe collection, was wondering <laughs> if wouldn't it be cool if, if that could be the water
1: park? And you said, why can't it? Is there any truth to that story? Well, it's that's a, that's a little embellished. Um, the, the I'll tell you what really happened because what really happened is absolutely, you know, a perfect story of how Disney is an amazing place. Uh, we did a large group meeting down in Florida and I was, at that time, so just to give you the, how this kind of stuff really happens is I had moved and helped start a research and development division at Disney. And so we call it Disney R&D and I had been doing Kind of, we called them development projects uh, for a couple years before then, and I was inventing stuff like we. I invented a new way to do fog in the Pirates ride, so that we could have that. You know, when you're you're going through the the cannonball scene and on all of the after the down ramp, we wanted to have mist and fog, and so I was kind of a I became kind of focused on technology but I was also doing concept design and so I joined a group that went down to Florida and we had a uh, a couple days of conversations, and it was just one of those things that I'm sort of sensitive to, where it seemed like everything was fairly predictable that we were talking about, and uh, so I just started thinking, well, you know what, we we really, you know, this is an amazing opportunity. We got to do something really cool and crazy, and uh, so what I started thinking about was a little bit more the function of a theme park. And what I, I I don't know, I literally had a a sort of dream one night that was this ski resort. And I, for some reason, the entire finished product was in my head that that night. And I, it had a hotel. So what most people don't know is that Blizzard Beach had a hotel and you could go right from the, what they call the commercial building, the main lobby of the hotel and a chairlift out to the mountain and so that was the original concept, and I went in this big meeting the next day, and we were talking and talking, and I said, okay, you guys, I got a really crazy random uh, concept here, and I said, what if there was a reverse El Nino, and for some reason, it got really cold in Florida, and you wound up with this ski resort, and the the story behind it was that these kids it snowed in Florida and these kids found this mountain and they teamed up with this alligator and basically turned it into a playground and a ski resort and it had this hotel. And that was, um, Eric was there and, and, and said, you know, that's, that's like a snow globe kind of concept. And so we developed those ideas and some really great talented artists were thinking about, you know, Various sort of vignettes of what that would what that would be like. And Tim Kirk, I don't know if you know his name, Tim Kirk, mm-hmm. is a wonderful concept guy. Um, good friend. he he just couldn't help himself. and he drew that sketch of the alligator with skis on. That became, you know, you couldn't improve it. He did it instantaneously while I was talking. And it it was it became the central logo for the whole place. And uh, he did a separate sketch that was a girl in a bikini in skis, and it said, Ski Florida. And that, that single sketch turned out to be what caught Mike Eisner's eye when we were, you know, pitching these ideas. And he said, Ski Florida. I can't believe that. that's so outrageous. We have to do that. And uh, so it, it became a couple year project to do all the design. There's a lot that goes into those parks. You know, there's there's all of the the water systems, but also the theming and the graphic design and everything that that Disney does so well. And uh, it was a blast. We had a great time, great creative team on the story side, on the landscape side. You know, even right now you go to that park and all the landscaping is mature. It's fantastic. It's like a jungle. And uh, that's that's difficult because when you start out, you have to create an atmosphere, but you don't want to overdo it because it'll be too much once they start to grow the palm trees and all the different understory and all of that. But um, we had a great time. So, as how far into the development of
0: the park were you like active on? Were you were you there all the way through construction and opening, or are you more in the conceptual design phase?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So so I was heavily involved all the way through basically what you call construction drawings, once you know everything that you're going to do. And the way Disney does parks like that, there's such big projects that there are partner construction companies that do kind of the non-character part of the experience. And this one was especially unusual because what happened was we were building a mountain in where there wasn't one. And on top of that, not only was there not a mountain, but it was a swamp. So it was a, it was basically a mud bog as most of that area of Florida is. And so there was a huge engineering job to figure out how do you, first of all, remove all the water and create lakes nearby, and then essentially continually evacuate water from the site and then structurally how do you build a mountain and i've got some pictures of that it's just incredible you know as it's starting to come together it's a it's an engineering marvel most people just don't know um, how complicated that is, but uh, once we had construction started, I was basically involved in a bunch of the technology initiatives and some other projects um, with the R&D group. So I became less involved during the construction and then involved a little bit at the end as as everything started to come together. Because even though you visualize and build models, you know that was. I'd say Blizzard Beach was the first Disney project, Disney at least theme park project, that where we built a computer model of the entire park. And I built that. I built the model and it was very primitive. We used a program that was actually at the time used to model cars. And so I built the model for it and that was all sort of in the early concept and then Um, Once you walk into a place that big, you know, there's just some fine tuning that has to happen. And uh, there was a great there was a great team. You know, the um, the fun part in the early stage was really getting the 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 quirkiness of that concept nailed down because uh, it was my main job essentially became making sure people didn't think it was the North Pole. And uh, I think I, I mentioned that when I emailed you. There's, a, there's. It's just kind of funny when people hear about it at first. Sometimes they think that's what where the idea is going, but it's not at all that. It's a ski resort. <laughs> which is kind of hard to sort of argue because it's c- completely insane anyway. But <laughs> uh, so we basically thought, oh, let's have some fun with this and have it feel like a Caribbean uh, set of colors. And you look at the color palette and the and the theming and the character of the whole architectural program is very uh, charming and kind of Caribbean in its nature, but it also feels kind of alpine. And so uh, we had some great great innovators in all aspects of it the snow making the snow look real that had to be invented nobody had done that on purpose before uh, or if they had it looked really bad and so uh we had even our materials experts looking at how to add sparkle to that um white surfaces and really i wanted it to look like melting powder so it was it was uh it was a lot of fun
0: yeah, hey, one, of, one of my favorite effects from my visits there is when you're like walking up the steps up Mount Gushmore and you could see just like melting snow trickling down the sides and <laughs> like all those little yeah. details really did make it, you know, you could touch it and you're like, OK, it's not cold. It's not snow. But to look at it, it really does <laughs> feel like you're in a ski resort. It's incredible. So you talked yeah. a little bit about about um, preparing the land there. Um, why yes. was there like was there a big decision process to to picking that specific spot? In the the Walt Disney World property,
1: it's a good question. So the 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 way those kind of projects come together, the you know, there's so many different sort of constraints and and sort of agendas in play. There is a big development group that sort of thinks about master planning Disney World. They had their issues because you know they're coordinating highway off ramps and you know I four and all of the different um, expansion. Trajectories at the time, Pleasure Island was there, but certainly nothing like what's there now. The the Disney Springs, um, you know that whole activated shopping and and retail and dining area. It was just Pleasure Island, and so. Uh, The site was, was kind of identified, but it wasn't, you know, there was nothing more than saying it looks like it should be down here because the, the, uh, the, um, the Coronado resort was just, you know, beginning to be thought about. There was the whole all-star resort down at the end of that road. And so uh, the location kind of made sense. It was like, as I recall, it was like 35 acres and, Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, how do you want the sun to rise on this mountain? What's the right sort of orientation on a sort of cosmic level. And, um, so then it gets into really nuts and bolts of, of going to have a parking lot. Now you've got to figure out where does the water all go? Where do you put the lakes that make the mountain possible? And, uh, and that, you know, meant bringing in really great civil engineers and looking at, you know, what had to happen to make that possible. And you had teams. It's an amazing coordination job between us designing things in basically we were in South California uh, at WDI. And then there were great construction teams. I had I had worked for many years uh, with the construction team. And uh, there was a mechanical engineer an electrical engineer and a project manager down there who I had worked with on Wonders of Life. So that had been one of my projects. I was the lead designer for all the effects and illusions and and kind of controls in there for Cranium Command. I don't know if you remember that show That, that was a really cool. Uh yeah that that was that was a real highlight um seeing that show come online I you know that had the right brain and the left brain and 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 it was a lot of fun um helping build that storyline um, but I had known those project managers so when we started to get into the technical things there was really good communication in terms of how do you really actually make a mountain like that and then then we had construction engineers in california who were also helping sort of figure that out and it's it's tricky because you you have to remember these are slides so to do that family slide you have to have it have a shape but it also has to have a slope and all those speed slides are very carefully designed and, you know, I, my whole concept was it looks like an Olympic Olympic skiing, you know, kind of Squaw Valley or, or one of the, the cool Olympic areas where you see this kind of bowl with a lake in the middle and... It's kind of staging. So there's some of it that's pure artsy-fartsy kind of staging, but it's very real. When you're going to do a a slide like Summit Plummet, there's really serious engineering in there. Those people are going. I think it was like 52 miles an hour at the bottom of that thing. (laughs) So a question I have about Summit Plummet, actually, and I
0: I found this interesting. When it opened... It was five meters shy of the tallest uh, drop slide in the world at Insano Park. Were you guys like yeah. cognizant of that? Was there any talk of like, oh, let's just go for it? Like, let's let's get those extra six <laughs> meters or whatever. Or were you guys content to be just the tallest in, in North America?
1: Yeah, it's it's a good question. The, we definitely were aware of what was out there. And in the end, you know, I was I was feeling you can almost plot who's going to do a slide like that. And on one level it's nice to have, you know, basically a marketing concept of, you know, being the highest, you know, speed slide in the world. But in the end I I was advocating for just more kids getting to do it. And so it's in the end it's kind of a balancing act, you know, and and my feeling was let's 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 do something really outrageous, but you know, that's we don't need to be you know, that's the kind of thing we would do if we were doing it over on International Drive, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't our our sort of the the sort of soul of the concept I was going for. Let's have the most number of kids. Let's make it extreme and really outrageous, but not so much so that, you know, uh, a third fewer people do it. So, uh, we were very aware and it's, it's, um, it was really fun to design and and concept how you would do something like that, that ski jump. So
0: like I mentioned at the beginning, this was the third Disney water park. So did you guys spend a lot of time kind of, kind of visiting and researching Typhoon Lagoon and then River Country USA to say, okay, this is what works. This is what doesn't work. Here's the lessons we need to carry forward.
1: Yeah, it's it's a good question because it's um, when you do design work, you know, and I've been doing it for a lot of years now. There's that hard question of well, how much do you spend time looking at you know what what's out there already, you know, the the business people call it benchmarking, and but you're you're kind of aware of what's gone on. I knew a lot about those parks because I was a mechanical mechanical engineer and I I had just kind of studied them and. But at the same time, I was really not interested in just saying, let's do a, a you know, a, a slight variation on what had been done before. I was interested in something completely outrageous and new. And so um, we had learned a lot about lazy river layouts from Typhoon Lagoon. And I knew the the key designer from that. He sat two benches over from me in the model shop when I first started uh, at Disney. I was Chris Runco and uh, you know, so I was aware of what was there and it was more or less a happy coincidence that Blizzard Beach came in basically the opposite. You know, if you think about it, Typhoon Lagoon is this tropical sort of blissful, peaceful thing. And here's Blizzard Beach that's literally at the other end of the spectrum. It's a, you know, a, a, a snowstorm and ski resort and sort of all of the fun and, you know, sort of f- fantasy, if you will, that comes with that so they were really a beautiful kind of complimentary pair uh to me i'm uh i think there should just be more water parks i think they're awesome and they're a really fun design palette you know whether it was the little kids areas or you know what you can do with water water is just fantastic so i i uh i love the 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 medium if you will (laughs) So, Downhill Double Dipper was the only
0: attraction that wasn't ready for opening, and I was driving myself crazy researching the park because I couldn't find anything that said when it opened. A lot of things said it opened on April 1st, 1995, which I knew wasn't true, and I found pictures that proved it. So first of all, when did that slide open, just so I know that I'm not going crazy?
1: You know what? I'm going to be totally the wrong guy because I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, have I think to look summer up of 96. That's the best answer I've found so far. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Because there was a, um, you know, we, we, the parks like that are really complex and there was an incident. I don't know if you found that in your research where there was actually a problem with the wave pool. And, um, it's a pretty funny story. Essentially what happened was, and and that's why it shifted some of those opening times, uh, after the park was open and had been open for a few months, uh, somebody basically forgot to turn on the the pump that evacuates water from the site and what happened was without that happening it put hydrostatic pressure on the wave pool and the the wave pool basically cracked and mud came up into the wave pool from underneath it and so it was an amazing sort of physics experiment (laughs) Uh, what happened there but it also sort of shifted some of those opening times and so there had to be basically a big repair job to to um, re-engineer that and get it all stabilized again so wow yeah that's
0: all right so uh, just kind of one of the things that we found interesting kind of research in the park and, and thinking about it is there really hasn't been much in the way of new attractions since since uh downhill double dipper came just a year later uh we said we joke it kind of makes it a nice kind of 90s time capsule for our purposes but was there was yes. there talk of, of of expansion pads or where future attractions can go and do you know any idea, like why they haven't really invested in additional attractions at the park
1: yeah it's 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 really too bad because there were a lot of concepts that could be expanded. There, there was the um, the whole backside, different ideas for what to do under the, the, the basically that we call them the tube slides, you mm-hmm. know, back there, and um, you know, and one of the things that I was the most you know sorry about was not getting to build the hotel. Um, So, you know, from the very beginning, the the original drawing is just outrageous. It's a look from inside this big A-frame lobby, um, looking out at the park, and you would get on a chairlift and ride in your swimsuit out there. what happened, it's pretty interesting, is the, the logic made sense. But it was just at the time, frankly, that idea was, was too shocking. So what happened um, was that the idea took shape at California Adventure years later. And so that's what the Grand California Hotel Resort, if you will, next to California, the park, was that idea of a lodge that opens onto the park, but it was just in a different, you know, completely different setting. So um, I still believe that, you know, and, and then of course it took shape once again at Animal Kingdom where you've got, you know, the, the, the hotels right there next to the safari areas. And uh, so the Animal Kingdom Lodge and that kind of thing was um, where those ideas took shape And even the grand um, sort of lobby area of Animal Kingdom Lodge is very similar to what I had been proposing for Blizzard Beach. And uh, so uh, that's another, you know, concept that you know, could expand the idea of blizzard beach. It's, it's, um, it's interesting. You know, we're here talking about this all during this COVID thing when they're trying to trying to figure out this opening, which is what is it they're saying next week? I think. Yeah. previews were today at magic kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, You know, I I think I think if you have been there in the last six months or even in the last year, I've done a few. I do a thing called an innovation walkabout. I do. I give a tour to our business clients down in Disney World and we talk about technology, integration and design. And, you know, Disney World was just rocking a year ago. And it really is a testament to, you know, good design. There's so much good design. It, it, you know, it's, it's dang expensive, you know, you got to really save up to go there, but it is a remarkable place. And I think it's going to, you know, it'll, it'll catch back on, but it's going to take a little while. I don't, you know, I don't think there's a a simple answer. How do you manage, you know, opening up and keeping distance and, you know, how do you go in and watch a, you know, a circle vision, you know, and operate the place with low density? It's difficult. Mm -hmm. well we're running
0: out of time so i just wanted to very quickly just let you kind of riff on a few other things that you worked on during your time at disney that are particular favorites of your own
1: oh gosh i uh i just it was this non-stop fun stuff i when i first got there like i mentioned uh we were doing star tours and i was working with a just this fantastic um special effects designer his name's tom leduc uh and he just sort of showed me some ropes, and we had a great time. So that was back when we were doing the the inside of the cab, had you know laser effects and and star strobes and uh, different kinds of things in the pre-show with that uh, that whole r two d two, you know him kind of shocking himself on the uh, as he's working on the star speeder. <laughs> and uh, that was all stuff we did together. And uh, then it was Captain EO. So Captain EO was a blast because that was that was kind of the heyday of Michael Jackson. And I I learned so much from him and getting to see how hard he was working and and how thoughtful he was. And it became a crazy team because it was basically Francis Ford Coppola and George Lucas and him and uh, and they basically wanted to turn the theater into a sort of of special effects, you know, um, just overload, overload and so we did that. Um, then we worked on splash mountain. I basically, I mentioned that I did a lot of computer programming. We, we, you know, I wanted to make all the fountains dance to music. And at that time it was kind of awkward and not easy to do that. So we invented a way to do that. And so that became really fun. Um, and I think that's a, you know, we only scratched the surface of what's possible in a show with that kind of stuff. But splash mountain was great. Uh, that was with Bruce Gordon producing. And, um, then You know, Wonders of Life was a really fun project. That was I was involved in all of those renewals. We basically went to all of our sponsors and and renewed the ten-year contracts. So AT&T was one of them, and I went and we went to all the different um, sponsors and presented new ideas and sort of rallied everybody to renew Epcot. And uh, I'm a real I have a real sentiment for Epcot. I think it's a really important idea. If you look at what's going on in our world today, uh, Walt Disney was way ahead of his time and he knew that American free enterprise and design and what we sort of do as a country was just this amazing, unique thing. And he really believed in it. And so that was uh, working on Epcot was was you know a real highlight. Um, then there was Blizzard Beach. And um, I got involved in a bunch of technology development, uh, different systems that we used for little miniature, mini, we call them minimatronics, uh, little AA figures, uh, different things in R&D. And just had a blast with that. We I got involved in a little bit in the projects that might have happened in DC, and did some development there. Um, helped set up a concept for the new sub ride. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And then began working with feature animation. I designed a system for letting them draw on images in a digital realm that was just a little ahead of its time. It let all the effects designers draw digitally and speed up how they did tone mats. And uh, there's some really serious talent. At the feature animation sort of third floor level, and um, that was an education in so many things about the, the 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 deep art of of storytelling and visual design and all of the things that go into an animated feature. And then I guess I would say the last thing was was really working on Pixar and and what came out to be you know a, a roadmap for uh, computer generated images. And so that was really fun and sort of culminated in after I left in Disney buying Pixar, which was just outrageous. That was incredible to see how that went from a little tiny R&D experiment to, you know, whatever it was, four and a half billion dollar (laughs) acquisition. So. Um, anyway, that's that's kind of the the things I I ended up with fifteen patents um, from my time at Disney, and I had a great time inventing things. And you know, we one thing that might be interesting for your listeners is that I was uh, I ended up getting a patent on the idea of using synthetic reflections for uh, what was the Pepper's Ghost illusion. And many years later, that became popular in what people were calling a stage hologram. And Tupac Shakur did that, and there became a whole sort of frenzy around that illusion. But I was—I had basically done it and proved that it worked ten years prior. It was—it was, <laughs> it was, it was amazing. How about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Marshall, so. I
0: can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, just really great talking yeah. to you, and uh, hopefully, you know, in the future, if we have another topic that uh, you've got some insight to, we could get you back on the show. But uh, until then, if you've got anything else uh, that you kind of want let to let our listeners know What you're working on, or anything else you want to plug, uh,
1: feel free. Sure, we're uh, we're doing a couple things. We're building a software platform called Mixonium, which is a way to let people tell stories and interact with a little bit richer media, uh, making little dashboards that you share back and forth. And uh, I'm also working on augmented reality. I think one of the answers to the path of progress for uh, destination resorts is going to be augmented reality, and we've got some really cool things we're developing for that. So uh, I'll keep you posted and. We've uh, we've been doing some tests, and that's going to be really fun stuff. Awesome, well, Marshall Monroe. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. You bet. You guys have you guys have a great time, and and I think your topic is fabulous. It's so
0: funny because I feel like I, I've so far I've interviewed uh, you, I've interviewed Kirk Wise, and I'm like, so how'd you get started? He's like, well, Cranium Command is where I, I'm like, why is everyone working yeah. on Cranium Command?
1: <laughs> yeah, that that show you could do a segment on cranium command because yeah, it is we, a- it, 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 we we
0: we we go back and forth because it's technically 80s i mean we, we, we're we not oh, so rigid like like okay. i did we did an atlantis episode and that was 2001 because i like atlantis so <laughs> I, I might have to because i apparently know everyone who worked on it almost
1: yeah well you know and and it's if you built a timeline of the nineties, those were the things that lit it off because we hit we hit start, you know, we hit Studio Tour, Wonders of Life, and Typhoon Lagoon were all right there at the end of the 80s, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was essentially Michael Eisner just getting momentum. Uh, the guy was unbelievable. And uh, so, you know, with Studio tour and then uh, the Wonders Show, that thing, you know, went through several redesigns. And the funniest story I can tell you from that is that uh, there was all this sort of rigmarole around the script. And it was a very, very hotly contested script because Jeffrey Katzenberg was there. He was at Disney at that time. This is before DreamWorks. This is before any of that. And they went over the script and over the script. And uh, I I was putting in the, the liquid nitrogen and CO2 systems so that, you know, when the little boy stressed out because he got put, sent to the principal's office – there was this huge explosion of 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 uh, smoke inside the theater, and so once we got the show done, everybody knew that that was a really hard design. It was because there's lots of reasons why it's hard in you know Florida humidity to do that kind of an effect, and. Uh, so we did a bunch of questionnaires after the show opened. And those are always so humbling because you you find out that what you thought was really important, nobody else does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the yeah. the funniest part was there were so many uh, questionnaires that came back and said, did you understand the story? And it just said, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> and then they would say, how would you rate the show? Excellent. And then it was like, what was your favorite part of the show? The smoke is the smoke is my favorite. (laughs) So uh, anyway, it it was it was a that was a great team that put that all together. And it was um, it was intense, but we got it all working and, you know. That was that it was the number one show at Epcot right out. I'll call it number two right after American Adventure, which had, you know, 10 times the budget uh, (laughs) for for a decade. Uh, It was the little jewel um, hidden away in Wonders of Life for a lot of years.